Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this January the 20th of 2021. This is Wednesday, January the 20th of 2021. Uh, today is a is a very turning point in our nation as we are speaking this moment. Um, there is an, an inauguration that will take place of our new president. Um, we we come to you today sensing a lot of things uh, that are going on around the world and in our nation, but we find comfort in the Word of God. And that's why we, we find it so important and so critical in this hour to come together on these podcasts. And for that, we want to thank you, along with my brothers, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando. As always, it is an honor to be able uh, to spend this time together with you, the listener, and that you would spend and this hour with us in fellowship of the Word. This is the place where we find comfort in the Word of God, where we find direction and answers to the questions that we may have. So today on this uh, on this day, we're going to get into the Word of God, and we're going to ask Brother Marty to share what God has placed in his heart as we study and discuss the Word of God today. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the new world, ladies and gentlemen. It has begun. We're hoping and praying that you are ready for what is lying ahead. And if you're not, we suggest that you get your act together. Because the times that we're entering in now, in just about 45 minutes, a shift in power is about to take place. Remember this, the Bible teaches us that every shift in power, every transitional period throughout history... Uh, is directed and allowed by the Lord. And so there are many and varying reasons uh, for power transition. But in the economy of the prophetic scriptures of God, there is what the Bible calls the fullness of time, especially as it pertains always to his children, to the people of his house. And in that you know, vain as we discuss it today, we're going to, as we uh, are about 45 minutes away now from the inauguration of <laughs> of uh, of the selected puppet king is how I like to put it, but either way, it doesn't matter. You know, um, the kingdoms of this world, they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will not be very long. He will come back and he will put down all wickedness, all rebellion. Amen. And so, you know, that's where we are. But today what we're going to look at is the church in America. We're going to find out in the Word of God through the parallels that we will see there, um, the same unfolding situation before us. We always look to the Scriptures in order to guide our steps and to bring understanding of what it is that that we are about to go through, what we've been through, and where we are headed. So you're going to hear some things today. Uh, I think that will challenge you, um, but it's not our intent to be sensational or dramatic. We simply give you what we believe the Lord has given us, and that is where we begin today. And so, Brother Jeremy, would you open up your Bible, and those of you listening, <clears throat> and those of you joining us as well, we, we these are deeper prophetic Bible studies, so I encourage you to have your Bible app or your Bible with you. We're going to be coming to you today from the book of Lamentations, the book of Lamentations written by the prophet Jeremiah. 
and we will look into uh, these scriptures. And I'm going to have Brother Jeremy, if he would, uh, begin our study today uh, by reading Lamentations chapter 1. And we will read, uh, to begin with, we'll read the first four verses and uh, and we'll and we'll seek to hear from what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, Brother Jeremy. Amen. How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How is she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princess among the provinces. How is she become tributary? She weepeth sore in the night and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her prosecutors overtook her between the straits. Verse 4. Verse 4, yes. Amen. The ways of Zion do mourn. Because none come to the solemn feast, all her gates are desolate, her priests sigh, her virgins are afflicted, and she is in bitterness. Incredible here. You know, Jeremiah is writing these prophecies as he himself experienced a a shift, a transition in history, a moment of history. He is the prophet who lived not only to prophesy, but to see the prophecies that he had prophesied come to pass in his time, which makes him very unique amongst all the ancient prophets of the world. He was specifically raised up by God in order to bear witness to the prophecies that had gone before him, but also to bring warning throughout a series of multiple decades before it culminated in the overrunning of the capital city of Jerusalem and the ultimate captivity of of the people this took the form of the babylonian empire it it was a progressive incursion into the city and amongst the people of god it wasn't something that happened overnight it was a it was a continuing unfolding and with each and every intermission if you will between the first uh removing of king uh i believe is jehoiakim uh he then then uh then jehoiakim was in was in Uh, installed as a king but he was removed quickly and that began the first captivity when nebuchadnezzar swept down and took away from jerusalem daniel hananiah mishael azariah ezekiel the great sages uh the skilled all of them were taken captive amongst others to babylon it was the first incursion it was the first indication that something very dire was just ahead for the nation. From that point on, it would only be a matter of about 11 years until uh, Zedekiah, the final king, would be removed. And all along the way, Jeremiah was warning as the Spirit of God moved upon him to warn the nation, to warn the people of God. The reason we're looking at this is because <clears throat> what is happening in in America is unique and how it culminated you know, we're just we're just minutes away from from the transition of power taking place as we record this this morning on January the twentieth, twenty twenty one. But how the power shifted and how it 
it uh, unfolded uh, in Jeremiah's day is very much like what happened in our day. And why it's unique uh, in America's situation is because the last four years saw a coming together, really a blooming or a blossoming, an expression of fullness, if you will, from something that really had its origins much earlier. I'd, I'd go back to the late 1970s and, and the rise of the charismatic Pentecostal church as a power, as a formidable power. It was considered, uh, you know, the church of the spirit, right? And it, it grew in, in incredible ways and basically came on the scene in the early 80s, precisely at the time that technology was beginning to explode around the world and, and, and systems of communication began to open up. Uh, the Charismatic Pentecostal Church in America took its place within that framework and became the driver, the shaper, and, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the propagator of the gospel around the world via the airwaves, which ultimately went into uh, cable television and satellite transmission, and now at the, at the close of, of the first two decades of the 21st century into the internet, Wi-Fi, so forth and so, so on, the digital platforms of the world. And all along the way, the church began to decline as it grew in power and prestige, as it grew in the great prosperity that God had poured out upon it. It, it shifted from, from the orthodoxy that it had once known. The Pentecostal charismatic movement, uh, which once was relegated to the barns of Azusa Street under William Seymour in 1906, and then through the sawdust trail and the tent houses, and, and basically shunned by its denominational big brother, the Pentecostal charismatic movement had once the favor of God upon it. But as it grew and it began to become more sophisticated, so to speak, more establishment-oriented, it grew in its power, its influence, and it began to become drunk with its own vices and its own arrogance. As, as the money flowed in, in other words, the more the temptation at the highest levels of the, of the ruling class within the Pentecostal charismatic movement, which took the form of the Trinity Broadcasting Network took the form of Daystar, took the form of, of Swaggart Ministries back in the day, you know, in the 80s. I mean, these were massive, monolithic uh, establishment engines that, that grew at such a rapid pace. But, you know, what we see here is that in the midst of that, for those of you who aren't familiar with the history of it, God raised up prophets early. We go all the way back to just prior to World War II, and there was a great Presbyterian minister by the name of Peter Marshall. He became the uh, minister of the of the Senate, and he had some of the most profound and powerful sermons, even back then, warning America that she was uh, going down a path that if she didn't turn would ultimately end uh, not well for her. And then God raised up men like, like Brother Havner, for those of you who don't know, a great Baptist preacher. Uh, Vance Havner, I believe his first name was. I've read his books. Powerful preacher, again, warning the people in his day. Brothers like A.W. Tozer, who spoke with great, uh, you know, enthusiasm and great drive and fire in his bones as he began to, in the 50s and 60s, warn the American church even then. Then came the days of Leonard Ravenhill and his great book, 
you know, <laughs> why revival tarries and, and other books, America, uh, Sodom had no Bible. That's one of the titles of his, of his uh, writings, which are great books. And I encourage you to, to read those books. And then out of these men, uh, probably the, 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 the most well-known prophet that we've seen in the, in America was brother David Wilkerson and, and who recently passed away, you know, several years back. But again, he wrote a book in 1973 called The Vision. If you read that book, it's hard to get now. It's out of print, but there are those that still sell it. But if you can find a copy of it or you can go online and listen to it, it's been, it's been posted and read. Uh, you'll be able to hear uh, what, what the brother wrote and what he warned the country about. But so much like a Judah of old that, that witnessed an ultimate destruction. And let me tell you something. One of the things about Jerusalem and Judah was it never actually thought that it could ever see destruction. It felt that it was the entitled and privileged nation. It had the temple of Solomon. It had the glory and the splendor of a history that included Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the great fathers of old, the patriarchs, King David himself, prophet Samuel, and, and, and go down the list, right? And by the time we come to Jeremiah's day, they had already experienced the ministry of the prophet Isaiah, Hosea, and Amos, so forth and so on. And so it, it is not without... Um, the extended hand of, of grace and mercy and the pleading of the Spirit of God down through multiple decades, it's not without that extended hand of mercy, um, you know, being given to the nation uh, that they fell. They, they indeed fell up underneath the prophetic voices that went before them. And Jeremiah, unique in that he was there uh, to witness it. And God stirred him and brought him into the climate of a church, if you will, that had lost its mind, absolutely lost its mind. At the high level, he walked the courts of the Sanhedrin. He, 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 he spoke to kings, so he, he had access to high-level uh, witness, as well as the people, for he would stand in the gates at, at Jerusalem and would prophesy to the people of the land that, that doom and, and, and transition and all that they had known was eminent even up until that point, if they would have turned, God might have spared them, but they didn't. And so that brings us to what Brother Jeremy let, uh, read, because we see and believe by the Spirit of the Lord incredible parallels, and we believe we've reached the same time. What we are witnessing today, in the, probably about 30 minutes from now, is you are going to see that of the America that you've known and that I've known, the church that is within this country, is going to find itself in an increasingly precarious position. And this is, this is being allowed by God, not because, uh, you know, he's a mean old God, because he's quite the contrary. He's pled with the nation for multiple years, multiple decades, and, and, and we've played the fool. And, and we're going to get into that in a second. Jeremiah begins his prophecy in Jerusalem. He draws our attention in verse 1, uh, he says, how doth the city sit solitary? It's very interesting because the prophet Jeremiah opens the book of Lamentations, and he draws our attention to the capital city, the capital city of the nation. And, and you know, that is exactly what we have seen transpiring over the last several weeks. The whole attention of the nation has been drawn to the capital city. 
And when Jeremiah begins his prophecy, it is a city that has been, in verse 1, it says, it was full of people. It's been emptied out, brothers and sisters. I don't know if you've been paying attention. I don't know when you've been listening to this recording. But as we speak today, the capital city of America is, is an armed camp. It's a green zone, if you will, like we had in Iraq. It's a shut down city. Right. It's solitary, just like Jeremiah said. And we need to know and recognize those symbols. We need to understand what we're looking at and what we're seeing here. America is now under judgment. The church in America is what I'm talking to you about, and ultimately the nation as a whole. But we're dealing with God's people now, and Jeremiah begins to lament and say her capital city is solitary. It was full of people, but she's become a widow. It's incredible what he says. It will begin now we believe, uh, and I know, I'm just going to say it, you know, it's going to begin now to dawn on the church in America now what is actually happening. Parallels of the judgment of Jerusalem and Judah cannot be ignored. And like we said, Jeremiah notes the capital city. It's solitary, emptied out. And like we said, today Washington, D.C. is solitary. It's an armed camp, a great show of force. And understand what we're seeing here. The show of force that we've been seeing in our capital city, it's, you know, it's symbolic for those who can see that judgment has now begun in earnest. It's the police state. It's the invasion of America by a spirit. You know, what's inhabiting these people is not normal human activity. This is, this is being done by demonic power, and we'll get into that. She's become a widow. She was great amongst the nations, he said. But now, he says, she's a tributary. Interesting phraseology, because that, that is setting the tone for what we are to expect going forward here. See, the, the aim of the global elite, coupled with the treachery of her leaders, really, as we've seen over the last several weeks, has now reduced this nation to a tributary. That's all they've wanted it to be. And what is a tributary? I mean, if you, if you, you know, look it up, it's very simple. I mean... What a tributary is, it's, it's a subservient stream <clears throat> that flows into a larger lake or a larger sea. As it pertains to, to, to national politics, it literally the definition of it is a nation that now pays tribute. What I'm going to tell you is that you need to begin to pay attention to the new policies because what they're designed to do is to take the wealth of the nation and the wealth of her people and now begin to flow them into the larger lake. That's what a tributary is, and that's what Jeremiah was saying happened to them. The prosperous city, the faithful city, under the judgment because of her refusal to turn and return to God. Uh, she, her judgment began with a solitary capital and then a transition of her wealth. She becomes a tributary. She's no longer a leader. She's being forced into being simply a stream into a larger pool. And uh, that is what we are seeing happening right before our eyes. You have to remember that the prophet is speaking from the perspective of dealing with the church of his day. Subsequently, we're talking about the church of our day. The parallels are striking. Again, in verse 2, what does it say, Brother Jeremy? Could you read verse 2? She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheek. Among all her lovers, she had none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. See, this is what's happening right now. There's a weeping that's, that's taking place, and it will grow. 
Jeremiah is reflecting on what he witnessed and what he's seeing, right? That's what we're seeing. There's many that are in, in great despair, great sadness. What drove this MAGA movement is, is primarily the evangelical community that bought into the arrogant folly that it could change the world through political means. Long ago, forsaking the gospel that it was commissioned to preach 2,000 years ago, it became drunk with the wares and the idolatry of the world around it. It wanted to be more like the world than it did Jesus. It no longer wanted to be separate. It took lovers. And what Jeremiah says is now that she finds herself surrounded, her capital city has been emptied out. Judgment has come to her. Whether she realizes it or not, everything that she gave herself to, this church he's talking about, the church we're talking to you about, she finds no comfort in it. And then he says something very interesting. He says, all her friends, right? All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. Remember, when it talks about her lovers can't comfort her, really we're seeing a reference to the Laodicean age. This is Laodicea. America is Laodicea. It really is. It, it claimed to be rich and increased with goods and having need of nothing. But Jesus said, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. You just don't know it. And, and the door is shut. Jesus is on the outside knocking, trying to get in. That's where we came to in 2019 at the conclusion of it as 2020 began. You know, this, this is Laodicea. This is the fruit of her arrogance and her idolatry, this, this, this corrupt religious system. Disgustingly so, so egregious. It reached its apex in 2019 as, as 2019 was closing out. And then 2020 uh, has led her to, to a, you know, really what God was trying to do. I think 2020 was all about a final opportunity for repentance. But she didn't. Instead, she rebelled further. And her elitist prophets became wind. They were exposed for what they really are. It, it was the culmination of, of multiple decades of a movement that began in the in the early 70s and then blossomed into this, this great whore of Babylon, if you will. I know that's strong words, but I am talking to, to those out there who know by the Spirit of God that this is not a time like any other. And if you've been with us long enough, you know exactly where we are. He goes on to reveal what happened to them happened to us too. It says all her friends in verse 2 uh, have dealt treacherously with her. See, that's what happened to the church. You know, once they elected Trump, they spent four years wrapping themselves in the American flag and, and wearing a MAGA hat and pretending that, that, that Jesus is, is a Republican. They became drunk with the halls of power, more arrogant, more greedy. They, they were unrestrained. They had no checks or balances anymore. How much higher can you go? The president's your buddy. And you have access to the halls of power. And now you're doing the bidding uh, uh, of, of an establishment political ideology. And you're taking it to your churches. Pastors were preaching republicanism, conservatism. They were preaching everything but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then when it really mattered most, what she didn't see coming was that her days were numbered. God gave her a, a very short space of time to repent. 
but she didn't. She doubled down and, and, and in her arrogance wrote books and, you know, produced albums and created platforms where she was boldly proclaiming her false prophecies that that uh, this president would be reelected without a doubt, and blah, blah, blah. No mention of Jesus. No mention of the gospel. No vision. No ability to see that the system of Antichrist had come to her shores. The enemy was at the gate. And she was too drunk to see it or to even realize it was happening. And so when she turned to her friends after the election, what happened? They all dealt treacherously with her. They became her enemies. The political party that she attached herself to, right, dealt treacherously with her. Even the vice president, her vaunted you know, representative of Christ, right? That's what they, they all vaunted this guy, right? But he, became, he was exposed for being what he really is, a swamp creature who, who walks around cloaked in a false light pretending to be something that he's not. And when it mattered most, he wasn't there. He joined himself with the rest of the demonic swamp creatures that exist there. They are what they are. That dude couldn't even quote scripture if you paid him. Several times over 2020, he, he stood up in front of the people and would quote scriptures and totally butchered them, never quoting them correctly. Isn't that right? <laughs> yes. yes. So her, her friends right, became yes. her enemies. They dealt treacherously with her. You know, that, that's what we saw in Pence, the vice president, and, and the so-called conservative leaders from the top to the bottom all betrayed her. At 3:49 a.m. in the morning on June, I mean January the 6th, 2021, when the gavel came down in the in the congressional chambers in the dark of the night, in the witching hour, the gavel came down. And in many ways, once it hit that that political desk, that hall of power, it's almost as if you could hear the, the, the <laughs> you could hear the prison doors slamming and the reverberation of the judgment had begun. It was sealed. And even after that, all the conspiracy theories, right, all these, you know, imagined, you know, self-deluded, uh, you know, expressions that somehow their president that they put their trust in, who they called Cyrus, who they called the king of Israel, who they called the chosen one. Unbelievable. They continued to double down and preach these conspiracy theories, how there was going to be, you know, some overthrow of the government and all these people were going to get arrested so that they could maintain their position of power. Their arrogance is, is, is palpable, man. Where are they this morning? We're, you know, a few minutes away now from him putting his hand on God knows what, you know, and swearing an oath to, I don't know what God he serves, but it ain't our God. Where are those prophets now? She's crying all her that she trusted in her lovers, her her friends, so-called, have betrayed her. What now, right? Verse 3. Can you read verse 3 real quick, Brother Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her prosecutors overtook her between the straits. Yes, all her persecutors overtook her between the straits. What is he revealing here? She's now under captivity. She's going to realize this even more. It's going to be a, an affliction and a servitude. She has known power. She, she reached that ultimate place of power. These doctrines of dominion, theology, pre-tribulation, rapture, all this swill 
that filled the church, the removing from orthodox uh, revelation of the word into these imagined doctrines that became part of her own orthodoxy. They're false. And that's what she preached for a generation and corrupted the minds of so many. She will be responsible for the failure of so many people in this hour precisely because when they needed the word of God most, when they, when they needed the prophetic voice of God, she limited access to it by wielding the, the great sword of her media empire and her mega church power. But now she's gone into captivity. And, and we talked about this, brothers, last year. You know, we talked about this over the last several years. And I've been in churches where I got, you know, booed, basically, you know, because I could feel, you know, when the churches were still open and I would go speak, right? And I talk about this whole thing we're talking about right now, and people would get mad. You know, they, would, they, would, they, would, they wouldn't like me because of what I was saying, because we were touching their sacred crowd, but warning them. And we don't gloat. We're actually in this boat together. But we are going to tell you what has happened, because it's happened before. She's in captivity now. And the venom that's going to come at her quickly, it's already begun, but it's going to increase quickly, like God revealed to us when we looked at Isaiah chapter 8. Go back and listen to that podcast a couple of days ago. It's coming quickly, very quickly, probably by the end of this day. Things are being signed after this oath is taken, they have 17 different presidential executive orders that are going to affect every single part of our society. And now she's, she's under captivity. She's going to be afflicted. And she's going to serve the very ones that she arrogantly brushed aside as if, as if you know, hitting the devil across the face without the anointing and the spirit and the authority of Jesus is going to last very long. She's about to find out. She will find herself surrounded by what? The heathen. Brother Fernando, you talked about that yesterday in Revelation chapter 18, uh, how, you know, the city itself is caged, right? It was very symbolic. And, and we talked about um, becoming the, the, the nation becoming a habitation of devils. This is what's going to happen. The filth that's about to fill the land, the venom by which they will come after us, is incredible and extraordinary. We are going to I mean, be... Think, Brother Marty, think yeah. about that. You know, uh, um, it says in Revelations 18 too, he says, and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen. Yes. and has become the habitation of devils yes. and the hold of every foul spirit in a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. The, the the rhetoric, the hate that has come from Capitol Hill, specifically these last few weeks, and really for the last four years, from both sides, brother, left and right. You know, Absolutely. it's it's sad to see the the left use the, you know, our our our, our black brothers and sisters. They use their vote and 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 their cause, right? Which was a, a, right. a cause of uh, that that was birthed in the faith. By Martin Luther King, and it's and it's taken over. I mean, something completely different, and they've used that to to get into power. But the the right did the same thing, you know. They used the evangelical vote to get into power. Yeah. And now look at look look at this place, Capitol Hill. It's completely caged up. Fences all around it to yeah. keep. 
not not out, outside enemies away, meaning you away. That's right. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Right? That's what God's allowing us to see if you have eyes to see. It has become a cage, and it is filled now with devils and every unclean thing. Right? I mean, that's what you're saying, and, and I believe that is exactly. See, you have to see with the eyes of the Spirit. But there's there's several things, right? It's caged and it's it, and it's incredibly powerfully fortified, from yeah. from the sea to the land to the skies, man. The whole nation is now under surveillance, and the 75 million people, most of them evangelical Christians, that marched in those movements and all that kind of stuff, they are now being called domestic terrorists. They're being equated right. with Osama bin Laden calls from the congressional offices and the Senate chambers in the various news conferences I've heard over the last couple of days for re-education camps. The stripping of jobs, the looking and, and, and over of voter rolls to see who voted for who and who stood with what. They're coming, see. And that's what Jeremiah goes on to say here. She's dwelling now amongst the heathen. It's incredible. Because what she was always intended to do was convert the heathen, preach the gospel to the heathen. But in her failure to do that, and in her embracing of the idolatry, the lust, the compromise, go down the list, she became ineffective. Neither did she care to do what she'd been commissioned, and after a while forgot even what Christianity really is. And, and and refuse to listen to the prophets of God, the great men of God, as God always does, send his prophets early until they reach their conclusion, right? So she will find no rest. That's what he says. There is no rest for her. And all her persecutors, listen to this, they overtook her between the straits. What that means, the word straits, means the, the time of her distress when she became distressed, that's when the persecutors moved in. She was as if she was distracted, like like a swarm of bees around her head, you know, with the events of her day, the encroaching things that were happening to her. At that moment, her persecutors were actually moving in, and they overtook her. And what the Lord was telling me is that's exactly what happened in 2020. As 2020 grew into a time of distress, that's what the word straits means. It concluded with her persecutors overtaking her November 3rd, the election night, right? Dominion was given to the enemy. What we witnessed in August is really verse 4, right? <laughs> Read verse 4, would you, Jeremy? The ways of Zion do mourn, because none come to the solemn feast. All her gates are desolate, her priests sigh, her virgins are afflicted, and she is in bitterness. There's two things there, what the Lord was showing me this morning, you know, the ways of Zion mourn, to mourn, uh, because nobody's coming to the solemn feast. It made me think of August. He reminded me of what happened in August when they, they all called for this big, you know, thing, this festival, right? They were going to have this big call to Washington. It was called the return. And they were going to have this big, giant, you know, repentance day. And then God was going to rescue us and we're going to emerge triumphant. 
But when it says that none come to the solemn feast, it really is reflective of what we saw happen in August. They came with their lawn chairs and their flags and their shofars. I mean, they had snack bars set up and, you know, there was a parade after parade of, 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 of inconsequential empty leadership parading across the stage and she's singing her noisome songs and she doesn't even know how to repent. That's why, that's what, what Jeremiah means here in verse four, the ways of Zion do mourn. It's a sad thing. Because there is no access, there's no one's coming to the solemn feast. In other words, the attitude of the heart wasn't one of repentance. It was just a corporate show. Nothing happened. And and now her lofty place is brought down. And her enemies are now chief. Read verse 5, Brother Jeremiah. Her adversaries are the chief. Her enemies prosper. For the Lord hath afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children are gone into captivity before the enemy. Incredible. I don't know how deep I can get here, but the adversaries have now become the chiefs. The hatred by which this the, this compromised church in this nation is about to be attacked is precisely because of the level of arrogance that she walked and paraded herself around over the last four years entering into the political sphere and moving to attack them. They're coming with a fierceness, and now they're in power. It is a sign. That's what Jeremiah is telling us. You're up under not just judgment, but concluding judgment. The time has come. The days of sorrow. I can't listen to this. Well, go ahead. See you later. Talk to you later. You'll be back because this ain't going to get any better. I don't take no joy in speaking this. I tremble at talking about these things. When the Lord speaks to me this way, I'm like, my goodness. You know, it draws tears to my eyes. I worry for my own family. That you, you know, do you hate us because we tell you the truth? You know it's true. You know it is. If you've been around even half as long as I have, you know it's true. The adversaries are now chief and her enemies prosper. The Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. In other words, what Jeremiah is saying, the Lord is allowing this. It is not for any other reason, but she has a multitude of transgressions. And now her children will suffer. That's incredible. Read verse 6, Brother Jeremy. And from the daughter of Zion, all her beauty is departed. Her prince are become like hearts that find no pasture, and they are gone without strength before the pursuer. This speaks of an absolute depletion up under a transference. When light is, when light is removed and, and the city becomes a habitation of devils, like Brother Fernando was talking about, there is no equivalent response to it. There is no anointing to counter it. That's what he's revealing here. The light of the Holy Spirit has departed from the once glorious and holy church in this country and her princes, her chief men. They're like hearts that find no pasture. There's no food for them. Even though they want it now, they can't find it. Yeah. The beauty's departed. The light has lifted. This is very serious, what we're talking about. This is what we're seeing. They have no strength before the pursuer. Do you hear the words that Jeremiah is using? 
-hmm. They are going to pursue them. They've already begun. You will see it happen here within weeks. You're going to hear things in the next few weeks, you mark my words, that are going to be specifically designed to cage the evangelical community and to bring them under incredible persecution so that there is no comfort, there is no let up, only affliction and great servitude. Now, what's going to happen is she's going to begin to lament and remember what she once had, what she threw away, the blessings of God. Read that, would you, Brother Jeremy, in verse 7. Jerusalem remembered in the days of her affliction and of her misery all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old when her people fell into the hand of the enemy and none did help her. The adversary saw her and did mock at her Sabbath. You see what they're going to do? They're going to mock her churches. They're going to mock her Joel Osteens and her T.D. Jakes and her Joyce Myers and her Benny Hens, her Bill Johnsons, her Hillsongs, her Bethels, her New Apostolic Reformation, all of it, her false prophets, her Bible Belt, all of it. And she will suddenly realize that the arrogance by which she pranced around the stages of the world, looking like the world, bringing upon herself judgment because of her arrogance, she will weep and remember what it used to be like. You know, it's a tragic thing when you, when you go off into such gross sin and, and you get to the point where you, you can't even be reached. And ultimately, the Lord has to remove his hand from a nation. That's what he did. And we're talking about the church at the high levels here. Because it, it, it filtered down all the way to, to the synagogues of our land, if you will, to the little churches, to the little pastors. No one escaped their influence. Even the congregations became such that they would leave the faithful pastor and his wife who, who would just simply, you know, let's have a prayer meeting, right? Let's have a Wednesday night Bible. Say, you know, those churches weren't being filled anymore. Which ones were being filled, right? It's the ones with the cinema night and the bowling night and the couples night. And, oh, yeah, we'll meet on Sunday morning for a little song and dance and maybe a 15-minute, you know, inspirational message. And we'll all cheer. And, oh, let's throw in some Broadway theatrics on and on and on. And suddenly, when it falls, as it is falling right now, as the oath of office is going to be taken, when it falls, she is going to remember, like he said, the days of her pleasant things that she once had. And, and the enemy <laughs> uh, is going to look at her and mock her, Sabbaths, right? That's what they did. They made fun of her God. They made fun of her churches. See, there was no restraining force and there was no anointing to refute it. There was no light dwelling in her anymore. She lost her light. That's what he said. In verse 6, her beauty is departed. And, and now they're going to mock her Sabbath. Read verse 8, Brother Jeremy, because this is why this is happening. Jerusalem has grievously sinned 
Therefore, she is removed. All that honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Yeah, she sighed and turned it backward. Incredible. This is happening because the church as a whole has sinned. All of us have sinned. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even the great prophet Daniel, who God said, should Daniel, Job, and Noah be the only ones left in the city, only those three would would remain. Even Daniel himself, when it came time to, to enter into prophetic time and pray for the release of the captivity, he began with himself. And he said, I have sinned, and my father's house have sinned. So no one's without guilt here. And trust me, I've walked in the halls of big-time ministry. I've stood on the platforms in front of millions of people in my life. That's no exaggeration. I've seen the game. I played the game. Didn't even know I was playing the game, but I was. The suit, the tie, the hair, the song, the dance, the presentation, the phrases, the sermons crafted to move crowds, all of it. All of it. Foolish. Folly, sin. She's grievously sinned. And those that used to uphold the church, now they despise her, right? Because why? They've seen her nakedness. She reached that apex. That's what happened in the last four years. It's as if she was walking around like some harlot, uncovered. <laughs> it's a heavy word, man. It's a gosh. Now, Jeremiah comments further, and the parallels continue as we reach over into chapter 2 now. Could you read uh, chapter 2, verse 6, Brother Jeremy? And he had violently taken away his tabernacle, as if it were of a garden. He had destroyed his places of the assembly. The Lord had caused the solemn feast and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion and had despised in the indignation of his anger the king and the priest. Let's break this down. It's almost, it's almost like reading the newspaper today. Do you remember how the churches were and in many parts of this country and across the world still remain closed? In most of our country, they're still closed. Remember how they fought against it? But really, it was the Lord who did it. That's what he says here in verse 6. He has violently taken away his tabernacle. That's what happened in 2020. God put a shut, shut the doors to these guys. He shut the door. He took away the tabernacle as if it were a garden. What he means by that is like when you're done harvesting the garden and then you take a hoe to it, right? You just plow it up, man. You dig up all that dirt. That's kind of what he's saying is the Lord set a hoe to the church, right? To the, to the establishment. I'm talking about the establishment. I'm not coming after you individually, brothers and sisters. If the spirit, you know, moves in your heart, he moves in your heart. Whatever the Lord says to you, he says to you. But I'm talking to you big picture here. So understand the prophetic thing that we're giving here. This is what we are talking to you about. This is the word moved on my heart by the spirit of the Lord. This is what he is saying. He's revealing what has happened so that we know where we are. God has his people. He has his children. And that's you listening. But we need to be awake and understand what is coming upon the nation and why. He violently took away his tabernacle like it was a garden. He plowed it up. And what? He destroyed his places of assembly. That's what we saw happen in 2020. 
tabernacle was violently taken away. The, the, the places that we meet in our churches was, <laughs> was destroyed. The church was closed by God, not man. And, and notice how he concludes the statement, right? Uh, in his anger toward who? The king, bottom of verse 6, and the priest. And, and that's what we've seen happen. The king flew away this morning. And the priest has been taken from power. Political and religious confederacy is over. What he said. Verse 7, what does he say? The Lord had cast off his altar. He had abhorred his sanctuary. He had given up into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They had made a noise in the house of the Lord, as in the day of a solemn feast. Incredible. First, he says in verse 7, now that judgment has begun. We're talking about judgment of biblical proportions here, prophetic times. We're not just talking about a little correction here. This isn't a spanking we're talking about. A little slap on the knuckle. This is the closing of the door, the shutting of the door. It has come. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. He says, look, he casts off the altar. What does that mean? That the time for repentance, the time to prevent the judgment has long come and gone as a nation, that is. That's what he meant by he's cast off his altar. There's no place to seek him. You're not going to be able to turn this now. He's been warning for multiple decades, since the 30s at least. You know, we're looking at 70, 80 years he's been warning this country. And when judgment actually falls on God's people, he removes the altar. He, he takes it away. And he turns his face away from where he desired to be, his sanctuary. There is no place of repentance. What has been determined has been determined. Notice what he says, which made me think of, of January 6th. It says, he gave into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. That's what happened on January the 6th. All them crazy people out there, they were mixed in with the enemy. We know that now. The enemy mixed themselves in. Actually, the enemy led the charge into the capital. It was a setup. Brothers and sisters, what we saw was the great, what I called illusion, the great magic trick. They wanted you to see that. It was God who allowed it. It shut down the process. And, and any truth that would have been made available, not only to the nation, but to the whole world, was not allowed to come forward. This is the hand of God that removed itself and allowed this treachery to take place. That's what he's talking about. And the walls of her palace is being removed. I don't know if you saw the film of the of the of the guards, if they were guards, you know, opening the gates so people could just flood into the capital. They just opened the gates. They opened the doors, let them in. That's what we were seeing. The walls of her palaces were breached. January sixth. Now the intent is declared. What is the end here? What is God declaring? What is the intent of all this? 
Read to us verse 8 and 9, would you, Brother Jeremy, chapter 2. The Lord hath purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He hath stretched out a line. He hath not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore he made the rampart and the wall to lament. They languished together. Her gates are sunk into the ground. He hath destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. Her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. Incredible. What this has led to, he says, is that he has withdrawn his hand, really. Now, the, the Lord has purposed to destroy the wall. There was the protective covering that had been around this glorious church in America has now been removed. This is a somber awakening, yet to be fully understood, it must be understood that it's just getting started. Notice what he said here, that her kings, her princes are among the Gentiles. It means that the church of his day, as subsequently what is happening now, entered into a great global reset, if you will. The people of God were now being ruled by the Gentiles or the heathen. It's a very much a foreshadow of what we see coming. This is all about the reset, brothers and sisters. This is all about the Antichrist system. Understand that. I'm going to shout it till I can't shout it anymore. That's where we are. I've been in this a long time. I've never seen anything like this. This is where we are. This isn't just another this or that. Absolutely. You know, it isn't kind of like this or kind of like that it is that it's a reset and that's what he was saying to them you are now amongst the gentiles and when your prophets your false prophets now come to me there is no vision from the lord that's what he's saying the lord has jeremiah saying they they find a false vision right it says he would have just said there's no vision but he says there's no vision from the lord you're still going to hear these idiots get up on television like they have been over the last several weeks and tell you a whole bunch of stupidity. Brothers and sisters, stay away from these idiots. Yes. There's no vision from yeah. God in them. How much do you have? Why are the people still going to these churches? Why are you tuning into their, you know, their services online, right? I mean, they're doing that. And then why are you watching them on TV? These people are evil. They're false. There is no vision from God. Don't listen to these people. They don't even open the word, man. They don't know what the word says. They're fools. And like the brother said the other day, Brother Wiles, he said this. He says, they lost this country on their watch. Mm -hmm. yeah. Listen. Listen and to that's, this. That's our, that's, our, that's our big, that's our, that's our fight. Um, whatever they're doing, you know, right now in, in the inauguration, you know, uh, the, the Biden, President Biden saying that, uh, you know, democracy has prevailed. Mind you, he, he is the president of a nation that's under judgment. Right? It's a nation wow. that's under judgment, a nation that's yeah. under a plague. The whole world is under this plague. There's yeah. a nation that economically, 
done. It's no longer going to be that that economical powerhouse that it used to be. You know, that's what he's taking over, a nation that is under judgment. And we expect that from the world, but our issue as ministers of the gospel is these false preachers that are leading God's people astray that you're talking about. What took place took place under their watch. That's our issue. That's what we're called to call out. That's our problem right there. And it's true. The people need to wake up. They have no light. They're doubling down. Yes. The, the preachers are doubling down. Instead of saying, you know what? Telling the people, hey, we, we messed up. We led you astray. Uh, we made you put your hope on, on, on man, on earthly things. Instead of saying that, they're saying, no. You know what? Actually, what the Lord told us concerning President Trump, that he would win, it was actually true. But the truth of the matter is they cheated him. So we weren't technically wrong. He did win, but he was <laughs> cheated. Right. right. Seriously? Uh-huh. Right. And they'll follow them. No wonder. No wonder. You know? No wonder. I, 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 I heard these preachers and prophets yesterday. I just, because I thought I heard something. I said, no, I didn't hear that. And they were doubling down on 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 their predictions and, and what God is going to do, even to the last, <laughs> even to the last night that God could still change this, right? And and I heard one preacher, one prophet say this, and, and it really, it bothered me. He says, many of you are repenting prematurely. I said, did I just hear that? And I rewinded it, and he did <laughs> say that. He was chastising the people for for giving up so easy and, 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 and repenting prematurely. Wow. My Lord. Wow, uh, and you know, and I verified that, and, and it, it, it's just sad. Instead of uh, instead of repenting, like you said, instead of people saying, you know what, hey, we made a mistake, they're doubling down and telling the people that they are repenting prematurely. What? I mean, I, I don't know what word to use for that person, but uh, I'm going to refrain. But it's it's sad. It's sad. Incredible. Well, that's what he goes on to say, you know, because <clears throat> Jeremiah begins to reveal what what really the men of God are feeling. And, of course, how could we plumb the depths of this great holy prophet of God? But, but if you don't have some sense of a sadness today, then right. something's wrong, right? I mean, at least within the community of that which calls itself Christian, Judeo-Christian. Mm-hmm. Read verse 11, Brother Jeremy, as, as Jeremiah begins to to open his heart and say how he was feeling. My Lord. My eyes do fail with tears. My bulbs are troubled. Excuse me, brother. My liver is poured upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Excuse me, brothers. Uh, <clears throat> for the destruction of the daughters of my people, because the children and the suckling swoon in the streets of the city. That's how the man of God felt. He wasn't happy. 
he didn't try and go build a big time ministry and say, see, I told you I was the man of the hour. He entered into the pain of his people. He expressed the heart of God. It was the spirit of God that was moving through him. This is how God feels. I think it's so stunning that it's to the point of overwhelming, to the point of a numbness almost. But if you really reflect on what a sad thing has actually happened, it, it has to move you to tears, man. You know, and 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 uh, that is where he was. And he and he talks about the children, the sucklings swoon in the streets of the city. Verse twelve. Listen to this. This one really broke my heart this morning. Listen to this. Read that verse twelve, brother Jeremy. Would you? They say to their mothers, "Where is corn and wine?" When they swooned as the wounded in the streets of the city, when their soul was poured out into their mother's bosom. The leaders, right? The mothers. You know, the churches really in in, in our time. Uh, really in shame. They're going to have to explain to this younger generation what they did, what happened here. Because the children are crying out. I've met several of them over the last several weeks through our Instagram, actually thousands of them who have been reaching out and listening to what we're preaching. Met a great young man the other day. You know, he has over 5,000 followers on 4,500 followers on his podcast and he interviewed me. And he told me something that, that just has never left my heart. He said, I went to the churches because I wanted to meet the Jesus that I had met on my own. Jesus came to him and he, he walked out of the New Age movement. He, you know, he, he, he's a leader amongst the young people in the New Age movement. Not anymore. He's led thousands of them out. That, that's how much they respected him, right? And, and he started his own little community there on, on YouTube and, and podcasting and stuff like that. And then Facebook, you know. And uh, and he told me I went to the churches and 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 he says I didn't I, he says it was crazy you know the churches were all black smoke bombs laser beams loud music he says I didn't find Jesus there he went to several churches he says they didn't preach the word of God and and it made me think of that when I read this when when the children are saying to their mothers where's the corn where's the wine what's happened here. The corn represents the word of Almighty God. The wine represents the Holy Spirit. That's what they want, brothers and sisters. They want the word and the spirit. They don't want all that other stuff that these compromised pastors, children from generation to generation, these Eli and Hophni and Phineas, these, these crouches of the world, you know, Matt Crouch and that crowd and all the others, you know, that have infected the church. I remember Matt Crouch, you know, his father, Paul Crouch, back in the day. I remember, you know, trying to keep their children in the church, quote unquote. They allowed them to bring the world into the church. Matt Crouch became a vehicle and a channel by which, you know, rock and roll and crazy devil music began to, you know, be washed over and a, and a label called Jesus was put on it just to keep his son in check, right? And then he gave him a whole bunch of millions of dollars that were given to the ministry by widows and orphans houses, right? And they turned it into a movie-making machine. And suddenly they're having premieres in Hollywood. Are you kidding me? <laughs> My God. Hey. Hey. And now we've come to this place, and they're going to come to them and say, where's the corn? Where's the wine? What happened? 
Yeah. They're wounded in the streets. Don't you understand? They're wounded in the streets of the city and their their soul is being poured out to their mothers. They come to the, the teat, if you will, of, uh, uh, of the mother church and they find no nourishment there. God, help us. Yeah. Draw your children close, brothers and sisters. Don't give them over to these incredibly demonic false prophets and and this this neo charismatic craziness that's out there. Run yeah. from those places. Run. Pray with them, love them, teach them. Draw close as a family now. That's what it's going to take. The streets are no longer going to be safe. Stay away from these people. Jeremiah goes on to lament. He cries, even now, looking for a way. And he says, I want to help you. I want to help this church. That's what he's saying in verse 13. Can you read that, Brother Jeremiah? Listen to what he says. What thing shall I take to witness for thee? What thing shall I liken to thee, O daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I equal to thee, that I may comfort thee, O virgin daughter of Zion? For thy breach is great like the sea. Who can heal thee? He's saying, I want this to stop. I, I want you to be better. He says, but how do I approach God on your behalf? What can I point to and say, here's a redeeming quality of what you've done. I mean, there's some good thing in what you've done. He says, I can't find it. He says, your breach is so huge. There's such a massive thing that you've done here. It's not a small hole in the wall. It's not, you know, uh, you know, a few bricks have fallen down and we can repair them to keep the enemy at bay. The whole wall is collapsed. That's what you did, daughter of Zion. That's what you did, American church establishment. And Jeremiah goes to the Lord and says to them, I, what do I take to the Lord? And, and how do I intercede on your behalf now? I can't. You not only have a breach, but it's as wide as the sea. Incredible what he says. And then he, he admonishes them why they ended up like that. You trusted in false prophets whose words actually brought the final nail. Read that in verse 14, would you, Brother Jeremy? Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquity to turn away thy captivity but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. I could spend a whole week on what he just said there. Let's just point out a couple of things here. He says, the kind of ministers that you have, that you grew accustomed to and actually fond over, all they saw was foolish things. <laughs> the Bible says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So in using that phraseology by calling them foolish things, he's basically exposing the fact that the messages have no God in them. None. Right. And he says, and he says the type of preaching they did, it didn't get into the nooks and crannies. That's the job of the minister. The examination yeah. of the word itself. First with the minister, then with the people he ministers to. 
all equal at the foot of the cross, so to speak. But the work of the Spirit is designed to clean us up. And he said, the kind of preachers you had preached messages that didn't even come close to addressing the issues of the cultural decline of your day as the people of God. They didn't discover your iniquity. Had they done that, had they been faithful to the Word of God, had they been faithful to the Spirit, had they preached without fear and favor of men, had they thundered from behind their pulpits and every platform they have, thus saith the Lord, it would have showed you where you were at, and you would not have gone into this place that you're now in. Your captivity would have been turned. They saw false things for you that he says, and then he says, and it's the cause of your banishment. Incredible phrase there. What were you going to say, Brother Fernando? Oh, that's, <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better. That's, that's why we're in the predicament we're in. Again, it has not stopped. Go search and see the preachers, what they're saying today. I mean, they're, they're continuing preaching, you know, these messages that don't have God in it. I mean, that's an incredible statement, what it, what, you know, what you just said there and what the prophet is, is declaring. Like this whole time, think about it, this whole time, they were preaching these elaborate, well-orchestrated, you know, messages, and didn't they didn't have God in it, but it sent people into a frenzy. Yeah. You know, and the people were, were praising who knows what God. If there's not God in it, then there's another God in it, the God of their own belly. Incredible. Think about that for a moment. I mean, just stop and think and say, what have we been worshiping? Last mm. twenty to thirty years, forty years in the church. Who have we been worshiping? Think about that for a moment. Let that sink in, those that are listening. All those things that you called God. I I I dare to say, brother, ninety five percent of the preachers on, on Christian television are all full of the devil. <laughs> Amen, brother. I'm gonna say it. May, may, I, I leave a five percent out there that that maybe are kind of, you know, it, I don't even know, man. But it's reached the point of 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 you have to completely tune these guys out. If it's on Christian yeah. television, tune it out. Because the only way they got there is through the religious establishment is giving them permission, and to get permission, you have to sell yourself out. Compromise, right? You have to compromise, right? And I'm not, I'm not backing down from that. That's exactly how it is. And 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 I, I've had a few glimpses into what big time church and big time establishment is like, and it's nothing like they portray on camera. Mm -hmm. It is nothing like they portray on camera. Go ask the people that work for them. Yes. Yeah. Go ask the people, you know, uh, what really goes on behind closed doors. The yeah. dictatorship that takes place and, and the fear that, that they put on these workers and, and everybody in the ministry. Mm -hmm. 
this is reality, church. What you've been seeing in, in, in through the camera lens, it's a facade. It's a show. Mm-hmm. You, come on, Hollywood premieres? Seriously? They, they don't yeah. care. Incredible. They don't. They don't care about we your wonder, children. Again, we want. We wonder why. No, they don't care about your children. They don't, they don't care about the sick. They care, you know, about, they don't care about the people. Yeah, they care about your yeah. quality. Mm. And, they, and they hope you, you, you write out your will to them when you die. Yeah. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. You know, uh, throughout this, this study today, you know, um, you know, we, we were all sensing and weeping and, and just sensing the magnitude of this. Is there and, and what kept coming to my mind was what the prophet Amos said. Remember what the prophet Amos says in chapter eight, verse eleven, when he prophesied that the days would come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, but not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of what? Of hearing the words of the Lord. But then it says, And they shall wonder, wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and young men, speaks of a, a, gener- a young generation that you were speaking about, of, of, of fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. Amos prophesied about these times that they would come not of the word, not of the, you know, the word will be there, but of hearing the words of the Lord. That's what we have right. to look for. That's the earmark that we must have is to look to hear the words of the Lord. And I'm sorry, and I concur with you guys, but you're not going to find it on Christian television. <laughs> you're not. No. They have compromised. They have sold themselves. And look, as, as you were talking today, touch me, Brother Marty, of how many, you know, how many young people are hungry for the word of the Lord. And they're not finding it. You know, thank God some of them are stumbling to some of these podcasts and others and other like that young man that you mentioned, brother, that are doing what they can and, 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 and feeling the need because there is a void in this generation. A void of what? They're tired of your entertainment. They're tired of your movies. They're tired of your concerts. and you, They want to hear a word. But they're they want Jesus, brother. <laughs> they want Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Praise you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you. You know, you know I'm so mixed up with emotions right now, but, you know, everybody gets off on what the liberals are doing and, and, and the news not reporting you know, what's really happening. You have Biden's son and all his, you know, sexual exploits and connections with China and corruption and, 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 and the church is going crazy because the media is hiding these things from us. Right? Yes. Well, you know who, you know who the best, the experts are at hiding things are? <laughs> the preachers. Yeah, yeah, man. God help us, right? They are the religious establishment. They are the experts at hiding from the church the true filth that's been going on, as Ezekiel saw, right? Yeah. 
You saw yeah. we saw the 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 religious leadership in Jerusalem what they were doing within the temple. And even if, when wow. even when information leaked of their scandals and their affairs and their greed, the church said nothing. The people said nothing, brother. They allowed these men to continue. They continue to hear them. They continue to send their money. Mm-hmm. And now these things are happening to us in our nation through politics. And and and, and their 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 hands are up in the air, like what's going on. Mm-hmm. But were we where were the evangelicals when this kind of stuff was going on in the church? They were silent, brother. Yeah. Souls were going to hell because of what these preachers were preaching. And everything that we're seeing right now on this infamous day, January 20th of 2021, it happened on the watch of these preachers, just as it happened in the days of Jeremiah. There's a lot that uh, that I have yet to share here. This this is a real word from the Lord, I believe, and and uh, there's so much more. We'll we'll pick it up here tomorrow, right here. Um, they say to their mothers, "Where's the corn and and the wine?" You're going to have to give an answer to this younger generation. All of a sudden, right, brother. That's right. How and why did you let this happen? Mama, <laughs> daddy, all right. God help us all. I'm going to close with this, okay? We'll pick it up here tomorrow. We've been going a little bit. Join us tomorrow. Uh, I want to read to you something. Uh, I was watching uh, Brother Wiles, Brother Burkhardt, Brother Zal yesterday. And uh, on their program of True News, and and they read uh, a a dream that a lady who was an immigrant had back in 2012. She had this dream. She came from another country. She immigrated legally <laughs> to the United States, and she hadn't been here very long. And in 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 May of 2012, she had a dream, and uh, it was so striking uh, what I heard yesterday that I thought. I would share it with you, and I think we need to. Uh, we're going to pick up. She had two a series of two dreams. I'll, I'll see if I can acquire this. the first dream. I didn't have the time to, to write it down today, but I wrote down the second dream, and uh, we'll pick it up from her second dream. So you'll, you'll hear a reference to the first dream, but it, it won't be that difficult to understand. But this is what she saw. Listen to this. In the second dream that came to me several weeks later, My husband and I were talking with some elderly men in her dream. They were good men. They were very kind and skillful and clever and smart. One man told us how he had built his house with his own hands. He was rightly proud uh, proud of his house. Another old man told us about a friend who worked hard throughout his life. He had amassed Throughout his life, this elderly man, a lifetime savings of over a million dollars. The industrious, frugal man was very, very old. 
another uh, senior citizen came to me in my dream, and they told me this. They are coming to take our homes away. One retired man spoke up and replied, yes, that's the first thing they are planning to take. They are coming for our homes. I overheard him say to one of his friends, when you hear rumors of house confiscations, that's when things are going to get very, very bad in America. Although there was a feeling of anxiety in those hardworking men, they were still talking casually, joking, and having fun. Suddenly, however, my dream changed. The scene changed to a coastal area. Large numbers of people were gathered in that area. I saw a sandbar off the coast. It was an island in front of us. The island was a place called the Christian City. It was a place Christians thought was a city of refuge, a safe harbor away from the evil people roaming the land. It was the city everybody fled to for safety. The city was magnificent. I saw large fortified buildings. My husband and I were assembled amongst a huge crowd. They were kind people, and I instantly knew that they were all Christians. The people... The people, however, were gathered as a herd of cattle. There was so much disorder and noise that I had a difficult time thinking. I repeatedly heard a quiet voice inside my head whispering, Go, leave now. Yet I was confused because of the voices of the people in the crowd. They were much louder than the quiet, still voice in my head, which was telling me to get out of there. It was challenging to focus my thoughts because there was so much talking going on all around me, that, and it filled my ears. Even worse, lots of people were talking over the top of each other, and hardly anybody was listening to each other because of the high level of so many voices. And suddenly, my dream changed again, and my husband and I were now in a ship, in a vessel, with all the other people like cattle we had been herded up into this vessel and it was against our will it was done by evil men who quickly appeared i never saw their faces as they surrounded the christians they wore military uniforms they were heavily armed i watched as more christians were forced against their will to enter this vessel the christians could not believe what was happening they were stunned by the speed of the changes in the land and how they had rounded up all the believers. Now she references her first dream, which I'll bring to you tomorrow, Lord willing. She saw a pioneer woman, which she says to her, you know, it represented the beginning of the American experiment, the nation itself. So the, the pioneer woman, I now saw her from my first dream she was now in the second dream and she is wearing a long black dress and and now she was on the ship with us she attempted to communicate with me but i don't remember anything that she said to me in the dream it was like i couldn't hear anything she said i placed my hand upon 
the American pioneer woman's shoulder. And immediately I saw the future of America. I saw the pioneer woman on a bed. It was her deathbed. The Christian woman resembled a Jewish victim of the Holocaust. She died and I removed my hand from off her body. The Christian city in front of us was now burning. No words could describe our pain and despair that I was feeling in the dream. The feeling was intense. It was a feeling of total and utter fear and grief. It was a deep grief and a disbelief at the same time. The grief turned to wailing as the multitude of Christians were trapped now in the vessel and they began to stretch out their arms to the beloved city that was on fire. I didn't want to leave because I had just arrived in America. I was an immigrant. The Christian patriots were wailing and mourning as they reached forth to hold on to the place that they had loved with all their hearts. I remember thinking during the dream that the Christian city, it's America. As a new citizen, I loved the country too. And now it was burning and it was happening so fast. There were desperate hands that were reaching out through the portholes of the ship as if they were trying to grasp the city, but the city was burning. I saw that the crowd included hands of children, workers, farmers, grandparents. None of the hands were the same. There were so many. There were so many people crying to save the city. My husband consoled me not to worry, not to cry. He attempted to assure me that we could escape from the vessel. We could run back to the island to hide. He did his best to calm me, but both of us were sad and afraid. I knew we would die because there was no way to escape. There was an indescribably evil presence that, that began to descend and surround all of us. The hands reaching for the city were now waving goodbye to it. They knew, my God. They knew it was over. They waved goodbye to the city of America. It was on fire. We were aware that the evil government authorities, they were taking us away in these vessels. We had no idea where they were taking us. All of us were very afraid. I don't know which emotion was stronger the grief, the dread, the disbelief. Suddenly I woke from my dream and I began to cry for America. <laughs> that was uh, eight years ago. And when she got up, she said the Holy Spirit gave her the interpretation of what she had seen. I'm going to read that to you. I didn't have a time to write it down, but I hope you can hear me. I'm going to have to hold my phone and the, and, and, and the stand at the same time. She said, upon waking up, I was 
I was deeply disturbed by the dream. I, I spent the day, Monday, May the 12th, 2012, in prayer, in intercession for America. This is the interpretation. I believe the Holy Spirit gave it to me. These are not my thoughts. They must be God's message to us because I can't even imagine thinking such things. I've never liked doom and gloom messages, <laughs> but these two dreams have shaken me to the core of my soul, she said. This is the interpretation. Which kingdom? God help me. <laughs> Which kingdom do you belong to? The test that is here is the test of obedience. Are you bound to the conveniences of this world? Are you so wedded to the world's luxuries you've known in your lifetime that you can't let go of it? You said, Lord... I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. I'll do anything for you. I'll lay down my life, everything. Did you say that out of emotion? Or did you mean it? The test that is here is the test of true sacrifice. Will you follow the Lord wherever he leads you? Will you follow him to an unknown land where you must learn another people's culture or language? that is so foreign to your lifestyle? Will you truly trust the hand that leads you or will you turn it away? The Lord's hand is outstretched. For now, his mercy is calling you. That time will soon end. His hand will still be outstretched, but, but for judgment. Which hand will you take? Mercy? judgment this is the test see if he truly is your Lord and if you truly are in his kingdom God weeps over this nation his heart is broken he's knocked at the hearts of your people but they would not listen even those who profess to love him love this life more than they love him. The dreams they claim are his are really their own desires. They suffer from a cacophony of confusion. Voices, there are so many voices. It seems too difficult to discern the shepherd's voice. Voices in your head voices from the enemy, voices of the people who will not let go of this kingdom, and they will drag you down with them, voices everywhere. Be still and listen to his voice. Watch the time. Watch the season. Judgment will strike when you least expect it. People will be married. They will ignore the air of anxiety. They will speak of good times, of days gone by, and judgment will strike. Confusion, so much confusion. You will be taken captive against your will, and many good people will suffer. Many innocent people 
will be killed. And oh, the children, the innocent children who will long to go home. I cannot continue writing what I feel. It's too heavy, she said. The test that will soon be here, it will split marrow from bone. It will separate his true disciples who follow him from those who don't because of their greed. They follow false dreams and pride of their own heart because in the deepest chambers of their hearts, they refuse to surrender to him. Listen. Listen while there's still time. The window is closing quickly. There will be no safe places, no safe havens. Dreams of a better future, dreams of a great achievement, or achievements, they're all gone now. They will never return. The veneer is ready to break. There is no hiding place in the darkness. There is no future in God's judgment. He calls the righteous out. This is the test. It is the beginning of birth pangs. The world will soon change. And though the great change is near, people are in disbelief. They see only the glory of the past. They long for America's past glory to be their future. This is the test that divides flesh and spirit. The true man, whether flesh or spirit, will decide his or her fate. This nation will soon witness its fall. God's hand of mercy is stretched out for you. Which kingdom will you serve? Where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. And and she concluded her her vision, and what the Lord told her. When I heard those words, I, I I felt like we had to just share them because she wrote that back in 2012, what God had seen and given to her in 2012. That was eight years ago. Here we are now. The choice is yours, really, and mine. The Holy Spirit is working on all of us, and we all need help, brothers and sisters, now more than ever. I am telling you, we need help now more than ever. And we're praying for you, as we hope you're praying for us. And above all, we're praying that our Lord will return soon. Be good to one another. Love your children. Love your families. Love each other. And above all, call out to him while he can still be found in Jesus' name. Brothers, close this out, would you? Wow. What a a way to close. Um, You know, your heart shakes when you hear a word like this. And uh, I pray as we get ready to close today, this Bible study, what you've sensed, the presence of God, God dealing with your hearts. You know, share this with somebody. People need to hear this. 
people need to hear this. God is speaking right now, this moment, today. And meditate and ponder on the things that have been said today. Meanwhile, we pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue to sense his presence. I pray that you join us tomorrow and we pray the Lord will bless you, will keep you, and keep looking up.